So I will start with a disclaimer. By the way, thanks for having me. Uh, the disclaimer is that I am, uh, I'm, I'm not embarrassed to answer anything. That doesn't mean you're getting wisdom. I mean, I'll, I'll make up answers. I've done a lot of things and, uh, and you know, substituted wisdom for just whatever comes to mind. The guy said, you know, we'll try and embarrass you with questions you can't answer. And I said, that, I, I'm not easily embarrassed. I mean, I'll answer wrong, but it won't embarrass me. And if you live your life, that's on you. If you live your life based on something I've said, that is completely your fault. I am just disclaiming that right away. I've contended for years that what I am in God's hand is the evidence of grace and actually a pattern for what not to do. I am exactly the guy that you want to watch and then go, oh yeah, that looks like a bad idea. And it's been like that my entire life. So tonight, don't ask me who I think is going to win the Super Bowl. I don't have a dog in the race. And, I, and that's probably a bad thing to say because racing dogs is now politically incorrect. I don't know. They still have dog tracks somewhere maybe, but um, I've raced my dog. That's hopeless. I'll just tell you, <laughs> please, you know... Um, Enjoy and watch responsibly tonight. Don't listen to anything that I have to say. But about the podcast, I'm excited to answer questions. I hope that God will give me some wisdom if you need that. Um, and that's what today is all about. It's about wisdom. Uh, we've been looking at the book of Proverbs together as a church. I'm excited about working through the, the book of Proverbs because my wife and I just got done reading the book of Chronicles. And that is essentially lists of names highlighted with a few interesting stories. There were a lot of days where we were just trying to figure out how to pronounce names, and you get done with it, and you think, and may the Lord add the blessing <laughs> to this reading. I have no idea what I'm supposed to take out of this. Um, when you get to Proverbs, you could go literally a verse a day, and if you were able to somehow memorize it, and just uh, place that into your life and live that way, you would be the wisest human being on the planet. It, it's that good, and it's that pertinent. When you're reading through the book of Proverbs, there's something in there that speaks to every condition of our humanity, and I love that concept. So as we get ready to talk about, get ready, the heart, I want to just tell you the book of Proverbs is loaded with how our hearts are supposed to operate, how they're supposed to run. Um, I'll give you a quick update on our life just because I'm not here all that often and God is moving at the amazing speed um, of light where, uh, wherever he goes. And so um, at Crossroads, there's no difference. Um, in fact, tonight over the Super Bowl, um, in fact, at the beginning of the Super Bowl, um, there's a training going on in Harrison County, Ohio, our third branch. And that team has somewhere around 23 um, uh, on their leadership team who are already engaged in training to get ready for the student ministry that kicks off in October of 2022. Now, here's the cool thing. You may not know anything about Harrison County. It's a little town called Cadiz. It is in the foothills of the Appalachians. It is an old gutted mining community. That's the way to describe that community. Here's what I want you to know. You are a part of that ministry. We've been invested here uh, with you at, at, uh, at North Point for so long. It's been about 23 years, and we started Crossroads 22 years ago. 
you have been invested and involved in ministries that are going on, and you might never get to Caddis. I will tell you there is really almost no reason to go to Caddis. You might never get to Caddis. You might never see the bowling alley on 131 in Kalkaska, our second branch, and you might not come to reading unless you're a deer hunter, in which case uh, try rays the burgers are fantastic. My point is that you as a church have been invested in a ministry that's expanding and growing. So let me give you a couple of prayer requests as we do grow. First of all, the Northwest Branch is about to engage in a a capital campaign because our bowling alley needs a little bit more work, just about a million dollars worth of work. So if any of you happen to be hanging on to that for the special occasion of giving it to me for something, that'd be great. This is a good day uh, to hand me a million dollar check. Um, But don't don't feel excluded, we also accept fives. So um, I'll just tell you, it's God's work going on and students' lives have been impacted in uh, Kalkaska County and we are seeing God move. Last week, Dawn and I were there and I got to speak to their students and I said, man, I remember what it was like at the beginning of a ministry because that's what Kalkaska feels like. Kids who desperately need Jesus. Kids who don't really have any kind of church culture. And so Crossroads is there working with the churches to develop a youth ministry, and they get to bowl. Uh, By the way, you can pray for me every time I go up there and I bowl. uh, I'm reminded that that is not my calling. And it's really embarrassing because the guys who work there have a lot of time on their hands, and they are really getting good as bowlers. So that's, uh, that's my first prayer request. The second prayer request is for our branch in Harrison County, which is in that that beginning stage. As they train their leaders, they have to find a place to meet. It will not be another bowling alley. Uh, We found those are high maintenance items, especially with junior hires who do more damage to gutters than actual pins. So just so you know, uh, Harrison County is a a desperately needy community of about 17,000 people. And it's tucked in between towns. So there's really no reason to go there. And because of that, it's an isolated community uh, that really has dealt with its own rural poverty over the years. And so you can begin to pray for Luke. He is the ministry director. Carrie is, uh, is the administrative director. She has not left for Harrison yet. She's wrapping up with us through the end of this year. And Reagan, my daughter, who married out of the family, uh, that's a weird way to say that because marrying in the family, you get this weird Tennessee kind of thing going on. I, but, um, but she married Luke and uh, that family is from Caddis. Luke is the director there and fell in love with my daughter by looking at pictures of my three daughters, wondering when the brown haired one would come home. And so they are getting ready to launch. I am uh, so excited to be with you because at South Central, and we no longer call it that, we had a board meeting and Every time I learn what to call our places, they change it. Um, but in that uh, flagship uh, plant where we started, we are looking for a ministry director, someone who does youth and student ministries. The reason that we need them is because I am no longer youthful, and, uh, and I really have another job that I work a lot of the time, which is called directing Crossroads Farm uh, for the United States. So um, I'm excited, and we could use your prayer. In the meantime, God needs to give us wisdom, like you. I was wrestling through the concept of heart wisdom. 
The passage that we're going to highlight here is Proverbs 4.23. It's the statement piece. But there's so much involved in this statement piece that, that you, can lose, you can lose the complexity with the simplicity. Does that make sense? Here's what it says in Proverbs 4.23. It just says, above all else. And I want to stop there before we go anywhere else. It says, above all else. This is a first priority statement. And it dawned on me that we don't live in a time of particular heart health. Above all else, focus on this. This is the statement. It says, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from it. So as I've been reading, getting ready for this, I I started looking at the heart and, and I was trying to understand the heart. I was trying to understand the nuance of the heart, the difference Because a lot of times it feels like I make statements about what I'm thinking as if it's my heart. Sometimes I I talk about areas of my my passions, which is the area that is is given to my soul. Scripture has been really specific and it's separated those words. And so when I come to the, the concepts of the heart, I need to understand it a little bit. And it makes me laugh. Because I realize that in my, uh, in my psyche, my persona, in my humanity, these four areas that, that Jesus talked about, uh, that God stipulated at the beginning. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Those four things are distinctly different. But I come to this passage in Proverbs and it says, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Of all of those pieces of my psyche, my my humanity, the heart is the most easily distracted. It is like, it's like a 13 year old boy in my life. Now, I'm not trying to be sexist, but I just want you to imagine you're going through a grocery store called life. The heart is the thing that wants Cocoa Puffs when you know you need Raisin Bran. It is the most distracted piece of my my persona. It's the squirrel part. It's the part where I can have absolutely rational thought and my heart goes its own direction. And here's the weird part. It drags everything with it. If you have a heart emotion, it will make decisions and the rest of your body will go, wait, what, what did we just decide? I, didn't, I wasn't even in on that. Nobody told me about this. Your mind is going, would you please stop doing that? I just got it organized. I just understood what I was supposed to understand. And now you're going off to the left doing whatever. If you read the story about Samson, as tragic as it is, here's a man whose mind should have said, you're stronger, you're better, you're committed to God. And then he was like, girl, pretty much consistently. Oh, there's another girl. In fact, scripture says that he does it three times and that's just what we record. I'd imagine that if you were a scribe, you just said, ah, I'll just sum it up with the three big girls. Because I don't, because I, I got to imagine it was a life habit for him. We make all kinds of decisions based on our heart and it has nothing to do with my mind. I pick a job because of it sometimes. I just had a good feeling about it. We get married because of that. Seriously, you walk into a room, you see a woman, nobody else is engaged. Your soul, not engaged. Your strength, it takes your strength away. Your mind hasn't even made the room yet, and your heart is like, I like that. You know, there's something so interesting about the way we connect emotionally. Tonight is a perfect example. 
there's a football game. And people are not choosing. Now, they make it sound like they are based on statistics and data. But the bottom line is you wear a Cincinnati Bengals shirt because of some emotional situation in your life that warped you and twisted you and made you. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> the, uh, sorry, I apologize. My mic, I, don't, I want it to stay on. So I make these decisions and there's no rationality to them. Think about this. If you are walking anywhere, you react emotionally far before you ever make a logical decision. We buy books based on the cover. By the way, if you're concerned about my Bible, this is just so I can find it over and over again. Works great in black light, too. I want for us to understand the complexity. There was a song written not so long ago by a band called Harbinger's Mile, and it, it made this great statement. It said, I have 16 miles between my heart and my brain. I got two left feet for to get in the way. I've got a parrot on my shoulder who tells me what to say. The song is called Not the Things That Matter. And what it's explaining is that my heart and my brain don't always connect. That's complex. As I've been doing the study, I'll just give you my aha moment and then we'll, we'll come from there. I realized that although the heart makes the first reaction, the brain informs the heart decisions. We can come to a place of maturity, and I mean spiritual maturity as well. I can come to a place where I can guard my heart, and I guard my heart, I inform my heart, I direct my heart, I protect my heart through what I allow my mind to become. And as I mature, I start deferring to what I know instead of what I feel. Right now, uh, we see this in the American church, especially as there's deconstruction of faith. But I've had hundreds of these conversations with people who are deconstructing their faith. And it never starts with logic. It always starts, always, and I mean 100 out of 100, with an emotional statement of discontent with God. An emotional statement of something I would do differently if I was God. It's a heart issue. It's not a brain issue. Because I can solve the brain questions. I just can't win the heart. It's true in my own life. If I go back, uh, though, and let's do that. Let's open the Bible just a little bit more. Because to take one verse out of context sometimes doesn't really give me the full picture. Uh, wisdom is the theme of, ver of chapter 4. So if I take the greater context, wisdom is the theme of this entire chapter. And it's specific to general wisdom. I come to verse 23, but even before I get to verse 23, uh, the author starts talking about why I want to listen to this. It says in verse 20, my son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. There's a storing up of things that I hear that I store in my heart. You understand that because we do it all the time. If I were to mention a meal somewhere, you would connect on a heart level far before you would ever connect on an intellectual level. You would never evaluate the ingredients of food. You remember the nuance of the evening, the emotion of that time. Music does that as well. You tell me what kind of music you like, and frankly, 
It's, it's fascinating. You can't tell me why you like it. You might have grown up with it. But you'll hear a song and you'll like it. It's an emotional decision. It's a heart decision. Even down to the foods I select. It's a heart decision. Might be informed by intelligence. The mature person makes an intelligent choice in regard to their food. An immature person eats 30 hot dogs in one week. Now, I got tired of pizza, and so it was just a thing. We were serving hot dogs over and over again, and I ate 30 hot dogs in a week. I'm not making that up. I'm actually being honest, and I told my wife the sad, sad truth is I could have eaten 30 more easily. I mean, I could have. I like hot dogs. Everybody that I know who has a brain tells me how bad that was for me. They say, you know, every single hot dog takes up to five days off your life. And I'm like, yeah, those are at the end, though. I mean, honestly, if it took years away when I was 21, that, that ship's already sailed. I'm not afraid of them anymore. It's at the end. I'm not sure I want the last, however, 60 days because I don't know how I'll be feeling. I mean, that's just my heart defending my stupid choice. There, was, there were vegetables involved. I had ketchup on it. Let me keep on reading, though. This is, store this up, and it says, above all else, verse 23, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. I like that translation and a little bit more because it says, out of your heart, life jumps, it leaps, it bubbles. We know this about our hearts. Our hearts are the darkest part of us, the most disappointing part of us, the saddest, most dangerous part of us, and the most thrilling, exuberant, exciting, momentous, joyful moments. The birth of a child, the marriage, the realization of the in-laws. They're, they're diametrically opposed sometimes. By the way, I love my in-laws. I'm just saying that. Here's what I want you to hear the rest of this passage. It says, and I love this, put away perversity from your mouth. What does that have to do with my heart? Keep corrupt talk from your lips. It's talking about a spirit, a type of person, the person who is letting the wellspring of their heart be negative. Well, how do I change that? Then it says, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet. And take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. The point of this passage is simple. Our hearts are the wellspring of our life. They're, they're everything that we love about life. The depth, the breadth, the scope of our lives. But they are also the greatest revealer of our minds. And what our mind is, has informed our heart to focus on. So let's talk about the enemies of the heart. If I'm supposed to guard it, I need to know who I'm guarding it against. And I'll tell you, the sad truth is that a lot of times we defend our hearts against other people because we're trying to protect ourselves from pain, disappointment, disillusionment. It's not the same thing. This passage is a preemptive passage. So when I hear that I'm supposed to guard my heart, this is a preemptory statement. Here are just a few, and I'll whip through them, and you can read the verses. But here we go, hardness of the heart. What does that mean? It's not an artery condition. In fact, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. 
over and over again, there were times where hearts became hard, unable to make the heartfelt decision. They're darkened hearts as well in their understanding and separated from the life of God. Listen to that. A hardened heart becomes separated from the life of God. And then he goes on and he says, this ignorance happens because of the hardness of their hearts. Hard hearts, it's an enemy. The second enemy that I saw was darkness. And I can refer back or I can refer forward. It says this in John chapter 12, reading it fastly. He has blinded their hearts and hardened their hearts so that they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn. And I would heal them. I can live in darkness. In fact, I will tell you that, that a lot of times I find myself becoming darker as, and we all understand the phrase, I become darker as a human. As my heart becomes hardened, I become less enlightened, less accepting, less opened, more cloistered, more distant, more protected. I'm dark. You've met those people who just seem to steal life. The opposite of a, of a healthy heart is one that takes other hearts. Just think about our relationships. I want to be a wellspring in your life. I want to get to that point where my heart is exuding something positive, something powerful, something life-giving. That's how I want to live because I know those people when I meet them and that's who I want to hang out with. You know when you encounter a person whose heart is just, is just bubbling over with life and you think, how do you get there? How do you live like that? How do you stay positive like that person? Are they for real? I, I don't know. I want to hang out with them. Those are my friends. Sometimes I'm afraid that that's not who I am. Fear. It's interesting how fear is one of the heart conditions. My heart falters. Fear makes me tremble. The twilight I longed for has become a horror to me. And I, I think back to when I love the twilight, the romance, the hope, the, the stars, the wonder, and then it becomes fearful. My, uh, my oldest daughter has taught me not to fear, and that's because she's on a plane all the time, on planes all the time. Um, she uh, determined that she was going to travel to Africa, so she went to Africa, and she spent a lot of time in Africa, and I'm like, boy, that does not, that, I can't get there fast to solve all her problems. The truth is I couldn't get there at all to solve all her problems. That's just the reality. Now she travels all the time. I used to, I used to love hearing stories about people who traveled, but once it was my daughter, I started to fear, and fear stole all the joy from hearing the stories of life. I had to grow up. Pride, a prideful heart. Son of man, say to the ruler of Tyre, this is what the sovereign Lord says, in the pride of your heart, you say. In fact, the Bible even goes on, he says, I'm a God, this is my pride. I sit on the throne of a God in the heart of the seas. But you're a mere mortal. You're not a God. Though you think you're as wise as a God. Here's this delusion that the heart goes through where it starts thinking I have control over anything. Not true. 
There's a turned heart. This is a heart that's gone one direction and now has flipped. And I won't take a lot of time to read the verse, but what I'll say is this, that Solomon, who was considered the wisest man on the planet, who wrote many of these Proverbs in his older age, and I find age fascinating because as I get older, I am either, and these are, seem to be the only two ways I can go, I either am going to lean harder on Jesus Christ and become more like him, softened and molded into his image, or I'm going to become hard. I'm going to become dissonant. I'm going to become prideful, arrogant, and I'm going to keep people at an arm's length. The only two directions you go as you age. Solomon aged wrong, turned his back on his God, and let his heart make the wrong decisions that weren't informed by his faith. Calloused heart, Matthew 13, 15, I won't take time to read it, a sorrowful heart, an idolatrous heart. In, in all, the truth is, all of this is idolatry. Because all of this, every weakened condition of the heart, is me determining that my heart rules. What do I do with all that? A guarded heart is one that doesn't protect me from other people. A guarded heart is a preemptive heart that's informed by my mind. I, I don't ever want to be one of those hearts. So I asked three questions when I was thinking about this. What was the purpose of the heart? Then I asked, where am I in perspective to where my heart is supposed to be, its purpose? And then I wanted to know, how do I get back to the heart of my youth? So let me just answer those really briefly. My heart's objective, hear this, because I'm created in the image of God. I was made in his image. I was made to experience God. I find joy, fulfillment, peace, love. I, feel, I find all of that in my relationship with God. Now watch what happens. If my heart's objective is to hear God speak and to mold my life to what God has for my life, powerful things happen in my life. I have to be in that position to hear. That's a vulnerable position. It's a heart position where I trust God more than my heart. It doesn't matter what I feel. It matters who God is. And I'm aware in this room that there are people who have calloused hearts, darkened hearts, hardened hearts, sickened hearts, Fearful hearts, desperate hearts, wounded hearts. How do I get rid of the lump of coal that sits in my chest and keeps me from experiencing the presence of the living God? I keep asking the question, there's an answer. Where am I in respect? I, I want to I hear God's voice because that voice tells me he loves me, he cares for me. It's where that passion the suffering and then the existential joy comes from, the relationship I have with God is entirely relationship. I'm gonna say that again. The relationship I have with God is entirely relationship. I'm in communication with him. I'm in trust with him. I'm in action with him. I'm in step with him. I'm in obedience to him because he's my God and I'm learning to love him 
It's a heart statement. How do I guard my heart? Where, where am I in perspective to, you know, that I, I, I wanted to ask that question because I want you to hear that. A lot of times when we're looking at our hearts, we don't evaluate them very correctly. So where are you in, in, in conjunction to where your heart's supposed to be, your heart's purpose, to hear, to be in, in, in communication, to be in love with God? Where is your heart in respect to its purpose? Because if it's not in love relationship with our God, I will tell you that it is vulnerable and only God can protect your heart because we show ourselves over and over again we're incapable of guarding our own hearts. We're under attack, but it's more like a poisoning. Every one of those things creep in and they destroy my heart. There is this distance between my heart and my, my, my brain. What does that mean? I want my heart and my brain to connect. I want to understand. Listen to this in Luke chapter 21, verse 34. This is a fascinating passage. It says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down. And then it just lists a couple of things. These are not the preemptory or, or primaries. It's, but one statement is, it says, be careful or your hearts will be, be weighed down by carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And the anxieties of life, that's the, that's the statement. Everything else is a coping mechanism. And I found that my heart becomes calloused when I cope instead of come back to the relationship that frees. When I try and shroud myself from pain or I try to protect myself from, from hurt or if I, if I try to nurse the darkness, I find the problem is that I'm weighed down with the anxieties of life and I don't trust God enough to do the right thing in my life. It's a back to the relationship statement. And my head needs to inform my heart before I'm confronted with darkness. Death of a child, loss of a relationship, the general difficulty of life, God's silence. I need my heart invested where my head has said, it is well with my soul. I found most often in these times of darkness or times of bitterness or, or, or times of envious time, any of the things that affect my heart, I have found the answer is not a good book. The answer is meditation on my Lord. He speaks through the noise of the anxieties of life in a place that I can't control or understand my heart. And God's Holy Spirit that lives in and through us rests on our hearts like a warm blanket. Sit in the presence of God. Peace comforts our hearts. Informed by the knowledge that he's faithful and he's true and he's loving. 
I rest in it. And my mind can inform my heart. By the way, we live in a day and an age that's goofy. People will tell you that your heart is the, you know, follow your heart, follow your emotions, be true to your heart. That's the ultimate courage. And I will tell you that it is not the same thing as courage. Emotion is not the same thing as courage. Me throwing a, a, a little fit because something went wrong can be emotional, but it doesn't mean it's right. I burnt some hamburgers about two weeks ago. Just two weeks ago, I burnt hamburgers. Now, I've got to set this up. Clearly, there's a food issue in my life. But I burnt these hamburgers, and um, I, am, I am known for my hamburgers. In fact, I've never heard anything but raves about these hamburgers. I mean, when, when I tell people, I'm, you know, we're going to have hamburgers, most are like, ah, oh, they're all right. But I've been told they're the best anyone's ever had, really. And there are a lot of tricks to that, meaning that we start with better stuff for sure, but there's an art form to it, and I've perfected the art form, and I, I put the burgers on, and I walked away from the grill just for a minute, but here's the problem. The problem was that the grill had a buildup of grease on the base. I'm not as good about cleaning my grill as I am using the top part. And so that, that grease bed erupted into flame. I was only gone for maybe a minute from the burgers. And when I came out, it was like the blazing inferno, which was only fed by every ounce of juice in the burgers. It, it was uh, just a soul-crushing fire. And I, I knew when I saw the fire, they were gone. I, I couldn't rescue them. And I opened the grill, and it's just blazing. I wanted to call the fire department. But I didn't, and I tried to get the burgers off, and it was so hot I couldn't even get my hands in it, and they were just gone. I brought them in, and I was so mad. I wasn't rational at all. I didn't think there's another plan. We have soup in the guy. I, I had emotionally attached to the burgers. Tell me where there's logic in that. There's no logic. We didn't starve to death, clearly. Sometimes my emotions are selfish. Sometimes my emotions are immature. Sometimes my emotions are wrong. My wife was mad at me, woke up, this was a few years ago, she woke up and she said, I'm so mad at you. I said, what did I do? I was sleeping. She said, well, not in my dreams, you weren't. <laughs> now there's no logic in that. <laughs> Those, that's your mind. That's not even, I wasn't even in your mind. I, I can't get there. I don't know what happened. In my, I didn't, and if you've ever had a dream where you wake up and you have all kinds of emotion, it's wrong. It didn't actually happen. Think about it this way. If your heart was controllable, you would never laugh or cry at a movie. Because logic dictates these are actors being paid to play the role. This actually never happened. And yet, when old Yeller died, fountains. If you're younger, I don't know what the equivalent of that is. I will tell you that I cried through Twilight, though, but for different reasons. <laughs> I can't understand my own heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 says this. It says, the heart is deceitful and wicked above all else. Who can know it? We can't understand our own heart, but God does. Here's the rule that I really want to lock in on and then I'm done. Right, wrong, righteous, wicked, selfish, or selfless. Doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what life you live. We all live under one rule. And here it is. Luke 6, 45. A good man 
brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. There it is. But conversely, an evil man does evil things from the evil things stored up in his heart. I don't care who you are. The scriptural truth is clear. What you store in your heart, your uncontrollable, raging, emotional, 13-year-old, attentive, disordered boy, whatever you store up is what comes out. And scripture speaks to this as it talks about the circumcision of our heart. Here it is. I cut away everything that is not his. And my heart heals. And it beats. So I store up scripture. I store up worship and praise. I store up submission. I give him honor. I lay myself in his word and I allow him to wash over my soiled, hardened, darkened, hurting, wounded heart. And the only way I guard it is I lay it at his feet. That's all there is. Because everything I try doesn't work. It's a heart statement to live with my God. Guard your hearts. Be in his presence. Take on his persona through Christ. And he's faithful. Let me pray. Lord God, I've stored your word in my heart so that I don't sin against you. Lord, I, I submit myself at your feet so I'll look at you. Lord, I'm in a room of hearts and I pray just for this moment that as they sit, they'll just say, Lord, my heart is dark, my heart is hard, my heart is bitter. My heart is desperate. My heart is lonely. My heart is distracted, disappointed, jaded. Whatever that is, Lord, hear our prayers. We give our hearts to you. Lord, in this quiet moment, I pray that you'll breathe life Lord, that you'll give us warmth to our cold hearts. Father, that you drive us back to the word of God and that shapes our mind, which informs our heart, which runs after you. Teach us in this moment that the only thing we go after Lord, give us the disciplines to do the things 
that keep us in your presence. In Jesus' name.